that is a Shomer Ne'eman. Thank you, Avi. All right, so if I recall correctly, everyone, if I recall correctly, we essentially um, ended, I think with Halakha uh, Gimal, maybe a little bit of Dalid, we did, I think we did a little bit of Dalid, and where we were talking about um, the mitzvah, right? What is Torah Shabal Peh, what is Gmarad, what is, uh, <coughs> what is Torah Shabichtav, and that the three are not synonymous with one another, and that more importantly, Torah Shabal Peh and Gemara are not exactly the same thing. And that what we said essentially is that the Torah Shabal Peh comprises what it is that the, what we will call the Ma'atikeh Shmoa, those who were designated in each generation to be able to give over the corpus of the oral Torah in the mitzvahs, it was given over to Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, that is what we call Torah Shabal Peh. And there is a finite aspect to Torah Shabal Peh. And this is why when Chazal say that a person has to learn Kolat Torah that they are, they mean that a person, that there's something called Kolat and that a person has to learn all of that. And that doesn't mean that they have to learn everything that's ever been written at all times throughout all of Jewish history in order to be able to fulfill that. Gemara is something else. And we looked at that and we saw the, how it is that Harambam talks about in Hilchot Torah, and that is the developments and discussions in the Drashim and Sodot and Pardes and all of these kind of things that go that become part of the broader discussions and aspects and insights to the whole of Torah. Um, and so we talked about also, I think it's important to kind of uh, reorient ourselves that we also spoke about three different um, modes of, of giving over the Torah. We talked about Lemidah, we talked about just the learning and teaching, we talked about the Kabbalah, that there was this, ex, this receiving, and then we talked about the fact that there was Misirah, Right, that there was an actual giving over of Torah Shabbat Peh. And um, so I just want to broaden that for a minute and make sure that we have an understanding of what it is. Excuse me, because what, what Harambam does, and I'll, let me see, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the screen here uh, for this particular thing. Bear with me. Yeah, okay. Okay, so let's take a quick look again. All right, let's have a look. Um, yeah, so let's look. So it says, V'hamitzvah pirusha Torah lo ketava. Right, so the pirusha Torah, which essentially we're calling Torah Shabbat was not written down. Ela tzivaba, right, Moshe commanded this, l'zekenim v'yoshua v'lushar kol Yisrael. Commanded this to the elders, to Yoshua, to all of Yisrael, shenemar, as it says, We talked, by the way, last time, remember, we talked about Tishmeru Lasot and the difference between that. Next, So that's one aspect, right? Moshe teaches this to the Betin, essentially to the, the prototype Sanhedrin, the Betin Agadol of the 70 Zekenim. Which, by the way, who can tell me where it is that we have this, this Beit Din established in the Torah? Where do we see them? Where do they come about? Why do they come about? Who can tell by me? By Moshe, when he um, was fed by Halotcha. No, with El Dada Medad. No, yeah, well, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. It's all, it's all the same in Yad, exactly. The Beit Din Agadol comes from a complaint for meat. That's the bottom line. This, this whole complaint, the complaint for meat is the catalyst for all of this, for the entire thing. And so if you look at the Psukim in Ba'alotcha, very good, Mord, 
if you look at the Pesukim of Alotcha, the entire establishment of the Shivim Zekenim is interspersed with this whole issue that Moshe has with meat, of Moshe falling, having a complete breakdown for all intents and purposes, because he can't find meat to give to the people. And I mean, one of the worst breakdowns in Moshe's career, uh, to the point that he says, Al because he doesn't, he doesn't have the, the, you know, the, the groceries to make a barbecue. And out of this comes the, the establishment of the, of the prototypical Sanhedrin. The reason why I say prototypical is because it doesn't function as a real Sanhedrin in Moshe's days. And why don't they? What do I mean by that? It doesn't function as a real Sanhedrin. Who can understand what I'm saying with that? Because, because there's Moshe still. Well, it's not just that Moshe. I mean, they're there not just as figureheads. How is it functioning? Who knows? How is it functioning? Still never there was. was. No there. Sorry? There was no Sanhedrin. It was, it, it, was, it was directly from Moshe at that point. Who's saying that? I just so I know who's talking. Mechila? Is it Hi. Michael? Hi. Yeah. Who? David. David Del Monte. Hi. Uh, David Del Monte. Hi, David Del Monte. <laughs> Long time. So, no, it's not exactly that it was from Moshe. Uh, it, it's more important. It's more important, right? They're not, not more important. It's more specific. How is Moshe ruling? Let's, let's talk about that. How is Moshe ruling on, on, on issues? How is, how is Torah Shabbat him manifesting while Moshe is alive? Through what mechanism? What? It was Moshe Rabbeinu who actually created uh, the judge system. And, um, yes, I understand, but that's not what no, I'm talking about. Oh, is it not? Because he said that I only judge the big cases and everything else will go through you. Fine. How are the cases being judged? What is the mechanism of judgment? What is the machinery? We ask God. Yes. Moshe to God. God back to Moshe. It's prophecy. It's prophecy. It's prophecy. So these, that's why it says that when these kenim come in, Kadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, right? I'm going to draw from the Ruach of Moshe, which is sent in the Ruach HaKodesh Nebuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, and give it to them. And that's what Eldad Medad was, correct? And Madad Medad are not stopping with the, with the Nebuah. There's all issue with that. Yehoshua comes and says, there's all of this issue. But what's happening, the reason I say this prototypical is because the Sanhedrin, as Harambam points out in Hilchot Mamrim, the function of the Sanhedrin was to use the midotcha Torah nidreshet by him to look into Torah Shebechtav to develop the, new, the novel responses to questions in law. Not nevuah. As a matter of fact, after Moshe dies, nevuah is prohibited for that, for, that, for, the, for that mechanism or for that purpose, to derive law. Yeah, we have to use these midot and these are our own iyun. And so Harambam in the, in the Hakdamata, the Purusha Mishnah, which incidentally, I have entirely recorded, uh, Rapsina. I have an entire series recorded on that that's recent, not the old series. That's Shaykh, maybe to give a link to the, to the group, because uh, it's very good to have that in tandem with the, with the Haqdamah to the, to the Mishneh Torah. But essentially what Harambam says over, over there is in the way that Yehoshua and Pinchas deduced law, or had to ultimately derive law is the way the Ravina and Rav Asher derived law, which were the final Hachmeh Horah of the Talmud. It's the same mechanism. Moshe is different. So why, that's why I'm saying that it was prototypical over here, but it is the prototype of the Sanhedrin and these Shimim Skenim. More importantly for our purposes, Limida. 
So notice that by the Shivim Zikenim, it doesn't say Kiblu. It just says Limda, that Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to them. And that doesn't mean that it was an inferior teaching, Chas Shalom. It was a very full, robust, intact teaching. But there's a difference between what happens with the Shavim Zekinim and what happens, for example, with Elazar Pinchas Yehoshua. That what? Shloshtam Kiblu Moshe. So the difference essentially is, is that the Lemidah, both Rav Kafeh writes this, and there's some, uh, you know, some of the Halim that point this out in similar, ve- in similar vein, that the idea of Lemidah means that they were given over the Torah Shabal Peh in teaching and the Beit Din was essentially responsible for teaching Torah Shebaal Peh to the next generation. And they basically formed the milieu, if you will, right? The, the context of the Torah Shebaal Peh, uh, the nature of thought of the Torah Shebaal Peh for each generation. So each Beit Din in its generation taught the Torah Shebaal Peh, created the environment of the Torah Shebaal Peh, the thinking of Torah Shebaal Peh, the deductions of Torah Shebaal Peh in each respective generation. The kiblu is an added element. It's more. It's a more. It's a more deep and robust element. Uh, just, I'm having a little bit of trouble focusing because I hear that somebody is at my door, and God forbid any of my household should go to get the door while I'm in the middle of giving a halura. So one second. So the kibilu is more. The kibilu is, it's as though this is literally a chifetz, right? This is something that is an actual object that we call Torah Shabal Peh, that is fully intact, that is given to them almost as though they're able to take it and put it in their pocket. That's what kibilu means. And what that, the reason why that is significant is because these people that are the ones who were mekabel officially, are the ones that are believed in Ne'eman, they are faithful to state, kach kivalnu, this is what we received. And the minute that they say, these people that are Ne'eman, this is what we received, done. There's no machloket. They are the ones that were entrusted and faithful. Not every single member of the Sanhedrin was a Mechabel, and they didn't need to be. And I'll show you that they didn't need to be. So let's take a look at the Rambam in, in, the, in the Makor over here. Everybody sees? Okay, so let's look at this first, the first uh, halacha here. So this is halacha in Hilchot Sanhedrin, Perik Bet Halacha Aleph. The Rambam here is talking about who can sit on the Sanhedrin, right? He says, En ma'amidin b'Sanhedrin, ben b'gdola, ben b'ktana, ela anashim hachamim unvonim. First of all, we, do, we only put intelligent, wise, and people of understanding onto the Sanhedrin, whether it's a large Sanhedrin, a sub-Sanhedrin, a smaller Sanhedrin, right, if it's 23 or the full 70, they have to be people of understanding and intelligence. Muflagin bechokhmat Torah, they have to be extremely wise and well-understanding and knowledgeable of the chokhmat of the Torah. Ba'ale de'a merube. They need to be people that are not just understanding and wise, but they have to be people that are extremely intuitive, sensitive to the context and connection of the situations around them, which is what they are means, which I'm not getting into proving that at the particular point. What it does not say is that they have to be people that are the Kabbalah or the Ma'atikeh Shmu'ah, or that they have to be the ones that were the Mekablim. 
And we do see this elsewhere, right? We do see that Harambam talks about these people, but it isn't a criteria for the Anshekanesh, excuse me, not, it's not a criteria for the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin simply need to be people. It's not simple, it's a major thing, but they need to be people that are, that are great wisdom and understanding of Torah, but it doesn't say anywhere that they have to be the ones that were mekabel ish mi piish. Rambam talks about them elsewhere. Take a look at Hilchot Talmud Torah. He's just simply talking about it. He says, look, you know, our hachamim, yadolei chachmei Yisrael, hayu mehem chot ve'etzim, mehem shua ve'emayim. We had, uh, we had uh, you know, lumberjacks that were hachamim. We had water bearers, you know, that were hachamim, people that delivered water, you know, water coolers. You know, those people that delivered the... They still were involved in Talmud Torah. And some of them, says Harambam, some of them were actually these guys. Some of them were actually the people, the ones that were lumberjacks, right? Were actually, some of them were these people, the people that were that actually literally copied, right? They took the full corpus of Torah as received, and gave it over from one person to next, from the mouth of one to the next, each and every single generation, all the way back to Moshe Rabbeinu. They were also called Magidim. Take a look over here in, 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 uh, in Hilchot Shuvah. It says that a person who's kofer in the Pirush of the Torah is considered an apikoros, right? That he doesn't accept that there's a Pirush of the Torah. But beyond that, hamachish magideha, a person who is machish or who rejects those that are the Magidim, the ones who speak it. How do I know that the Magidim are the ones that I've referred to as the Matikeh Shmoa, the ones that receive it, Dor Hardor Admipi Moshe Rabbeinu? Because that's how the Rambam refers to them in Hilchot Mamrim, in Perek Aleph Halacha He says over here at the end, he says, first of all, Kol anybody who does not follow the Hora'ah, the rulings of the Bet Din Agadol, are over in a lot as it says in the Torah, You're not allowed to go against anything that they tell you. So then there's a pasuk, right? Continues, says you have to do according to the Torah that they tell you. And the Rambam over here in this halacha goes through all the elements of what it is that the Beit Din Agadol does or the Sanhedrin does. And one of the things is he says. It talks about the pasuk. When it says the pasuk, al hamishpat it's quoting a pasuk there. That refers to anything that they derive from their learning, from the midot shatorani dreshet bahin. And they establish law, you have to follow that. And then, mikola davar asher yagidu lecha, that's again a quoting of the pasuk, what does that refer to in the pasuk? Zoha kabbalah, shikibilu ish mipiish. Yagidu are the Magideh Hashmoah. They are the people that are Ne'eman to tell you what was given over. And these people are special. These people are the ones that are entrusted and faithful that when they say, Kach Kibalnu, this is what we accepted, it is law, it is, it's not questioned. And Harambam writes that there's no argument, there's no machloket when these people say something. Once they say, Kach Kibalnu, the case is closed. There's nothing more to discuss. So that is the difference between here where Harambam is saying he taught the Zikinim and they learned from him. Sorry, just want to close that out so we can see what's happening over here. 
he taught the Zikinim and they learned from him, as opposed to Elazar, Pinchas, and Yoshua, that the three of them kiblu Mimoshe. They became the Ma'atikeh Shmua. They became the ones that were the Mekablim, the Magideha. They were the ones, Ishmipi, Ishmipi, Moshe Rabbeinu, that were responsible for giving this over as they received it in full corpus, intact, completely faithful to be able to say, Kach Kibano. And then there's this extra added element that Yoshua, who Talmidosh Moshe Masar Torah Shebalpe, Vetziva Aleha, which is different than saying over here, Ela Tziva Bala Zekenim. This Tziva Aleha, and Rav Kafech writes this Beferush, and he brings Makorot for this. The difference between Tzivahu Aleha and Tzivaba up here is here specifically Moshe gives over the responsibility of the entirety of Torah Shabal Peh to Yehoshua, not just to say, yes, we did receive that, or yes, if there's a question, we can tell you that this was part of the Misorah. Rather, Yehoshua is the only one that was responsible for actually giving it over intact to the next generation. That was his job, right? That was one that something that he had to do and to enforce it. And that is what it means over tzivahu aleha, on it specifically, as opposed to tzivaba, which is said for everybody, right? Over here up there. Okay, so any questions as far as that's concerned? Yeah, I have a question, Rabbi. Um, so um, if the Sanhedrin would make a decision, then that means that the one who was Kibel in that generation could override the decision, or the Sanhedrin didn't make decisions? In that they didn't make decisions. They wouldn't override the decision. The only time that a Mechabel would have some interface or issue with regards to the Sanhedrin is if the Sanhedrin was making a decision based on a misunderstanding or a flawed uh, uh, knowledge of the Kabbalah. And there, the Makabel could say, Lo kibal nukach. You follow? Yeah, but did that, did that ability, that ability of the Makabel to override, that no. went away, I guess. That's the the only ability that they had to override was if there was a flaw in what people thought the Kabbalah was. But that didn't have an effect on, on new law, for example, that the Sanhedrin could develop as a result of situations that came up or drashot that they saw a previous Beit make that they wanted to revisit for whatever reason. That didn't necessarily affect the Kabbalah, unless it did. And then in that case, the Mekabalim would say, look, that's not, it's, not, it's not what the Kabbalah is. But it didn't necessarily have an effect or, or conflict with the Kabbalah. It could have been a developed and nuanced deen. And Rabbam writes that Beferush. Harbam says there's, there were definitely halachot shiloh that Moshe didn't express. He didn't explain. He didn't talk about because they weren't necessarily pertinent in his time. You follow that? Would, would, would the name of flying Yoshua, forward with that? Second, one second. Yoshua, do you understand that? Yeah, yeah. I okay. got it. Thank you, Rabbi. Bukhavod. I made my hair, by the way. You? He, didn't he did his hair this week because last week he told him to get the camera on. Did I? Oh, wonderful. I'm very proud of you. I appreciate that. Would, would Dinim Muflaim fall within that? that Panim. What is it? Would Dinim Muflaim fall within that at all? In what? The category of um, uh, halachot that weren't defined. It was kind of like left open. It, the, the definitions of the dinim, it doesn't, every single din in the Torah, muflaim, mefurashim, mefursamim, doesn't matter what they are. Every single din in the Torah is open to the, to the, to the interpretation and, and uh, uh, what you call it, the, the, uh, 
the the I'm missing a word. Whatever, we'll use interpretation for a moment. The interpretation and the the application of the Betin Hagadol. So they will always have the opportunity to be able to look at a mitzvah and say, this is what we understand the mitzvah's meaning and applying. Of course, not from the air. They have to use the Midosha Torah and the by him. But it, that's what I mean, that every single Bedin, they are responsible. They create the milieu of the Torah Shabbat Peh every, every generation. They're the ones that are discussing it and working through it and developing it and so on. To a certain degree, the Mikablim are quite static. That's why, you know, uh, they say about, for example, um, Rabbi Lezer Agadol, right? They talk about Rabbi Lezer, who's Rabbi Lezer in the story of the Tanur Shalachnai, right? Anyway, so the, the Rabbi Lezer Agadol, he was a Shamoti. He was a Talmud of Bechamai, of, of Shamai. And he always says, his thing was, always says, Kachki Balti Mirabotai. He didn't, he didn't do a lot of innovation. He didn't, Rabbi Lezer, he didn't like to, to start innovating law. He just said, that is what I accepted from my, my, my rabbis, Vizel. And so it's quite static, right? Which is fine. You need to have a corpus that is the source of things, that is the, that is the bedrock of things. That's not to say that there isn't innovation, development, and so on at, in the hands of the Sanhedrin later on, but, but you need to be able to have the core aspects and elements given over from one generation to the next. And they are the only ones that are Nehman to be able to say that. That they would say, Kakibam. Uh, Daniel Levy, did you have a hand up and took it down? You're okay? Uh, yeah, my question was actually going to be, is, was that the reason why so many people weren't Mechabel, why it was such a limited Correct. selection yes, of people? Yes. Not Pashut at all, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, Ezra. Where do we get all these, uh, like, uh, sorry. Definitions? I'm, I'm, also, I'm also missing, yeah, these definitions of what the roles are of these people or the Sanhedrin and I mean, the Sanhedrin, maybe you get it from the so Gemara. I'm doing, I'm doing the work for you. But essentially, it's, we look at it both from the extrapolations of Harambam's, everything that Harambam basically presented, which is why I'm giving you these sources for Harambam, that he uses these terms. I'm saying, I'm saying, where does Harambam get it from? So Harambam also gets it from the Talmud. Because this is his understanding of how it is that these things developed in the Talmud. So whether it's the discussions of Bava Batra, Nachiyashuni, which we'll see in a little bit, and you know where what happened with him and what his responsibility was, but of course Harambam is taking this from the from the teachings of the Hachamim that were given over, and what it is that he accept, he accepted, but it's his. That's what he always does. The Rambam always says that, right? The Rambam's always saying, "You don't know what I did for you. I took everything from everywhere, the bits and pieces, nooks and crannies, and I put them all together in a cohesive system and presented it to you." You know, I mean, he does that all the time, especially in, uh, in his Hakdamat Taharot in the Mishnah, you know, in Seder Taharot. It's an unbelievable, by the way, I mean, if you haven't read Harambam's Hakdamat Seder Taharot, you must. Because uh, not only is it, is it an absolute shocking masterpiece of work, it, it, he, he tells you there what it is that he did and why and how. And it's very important if a person wants to know the Rambam and understand the Rambam and hear who the Rambam is, it's an absolutely essential work that he's written to be able to fill a lot of it in. Ohad. Is there something he's emphasizing when he says Shehu Talmido by Yeshua? Yes. It's emphasizing because he's saying that's why he was the one that was submitzuveh to be Moser, to be the Mechabel of the Messiah and to give it over because he was Loya Mishmitoch Ohad, right? He was the one that was always there that had the, the fullest experience of Moshe in the Torah 
And so since he was Talmido, that's why he was the one that was chosen. Uh, Avi Garson. So since you mentioned the, the case of Revel Yezer and the Tanur, it, it was in my mind beforehand. Yeah. And so when the Bat Kol came down, wouldn't yeah. that be a manifestation or uh, represent the Kabbalah? And the, like, no, the Surah, the excellent the question. Excellent question. Precisely not. No. That's why there was a Mesirana Kabbalah. The Bat Kol was almost like a, 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 a watered-down Nevoah. That's the whole point of Loba Shamaimi. The whole point of that entire story is we do not listen to the Shamaim with these things. Even as a Bat Kol, we don't listen to Shamaim with regards to these things. It's ours. It's given over into our hands. And that's the idea. Moshe Kibel, the same way. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Okay, so that's it. And from there on, it goes in that way. But we do not listen to, to, to Shamayim anymore. And that's the idea of the Nitzchuni Banai that happens generations later, you know, that Eliyahu kind of affirms, you know, on, on the story. Yeah? Yeah. Rachel? Yeah, I was going to ask um, if there's like a, another meaning to Kibel besides receives, is it also that they like accept it in a certain way, that they take it in? Is there it like means that they, they take it l practically as a, an entity, right? That, they, that every aspect of an entity needs to be intact. And they could take it and put it in their pocket, right? This is the entity. That's how they, it's given. And that's how essentially it's received. That's the best way that I can describe it. Anyway. Okay, good. Baiter. We're not supposed Thank to say you. that in Safari Habura, but nonetheless, don't tell anybody I said that. Don't tell. <laughs> Anyone that I said that. Okay, I could lose my job. You said that. Okay, so we continue with the, uh, with the Kriya. So, so then it continues and says, Uzkenim Rabim Kiblum Yehoshua. There are many people, many Zikenim that received from Yehoshua. Vikibel Ali. Oops, I keep doing that. It annoys me, I'm sorry. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Wikibel Eli minas genimum pinhas, right? So Eli received from those genim of Yoshua and pinhas. Shmuel kibel merli ubedino. Now, this is very interesting over here. This is the first time, and then it, it, it almost doesn't stop. All of a sudden, the bedin are mikablim. So the bedin, well, they weren't necessarily in Moshe's time, but here they are. So now they are not just lomdim and not just the ones that are given over, they're mekablim and they give over. So the bet din, and this is by the way, bet means the bet din agadol, right? That's, that's what it's talking about over here. So this is Eli ubet dino and his bet din were the ones who gave over to Shmuel and whom Shmuel received from. David kibel mishmuel ubet dino and his bet din, yes? So this is an interesting line. First of all, who's Ahiyashiloni? Ahiyashiloni is a Navi. Ahiyashiloni was the Navi who told Yarovan Benevat that he was going to be the Melech and that Akadosh Baruch Hu was going to take ten Shvatim away from Rahavam, the son of Shmuel, excuse me, Shilomo, right? And give it over to Yarovan Benevat. Ahiyashiloni, according to Chazal, was the one that signed an agreement with Yarovan Benevat 
that he was going to be quiet when Yerovam asked the people to worship Abu Dazara. And he signed. He made a Hayashiluni sign on this. Crazy stuff. Yeah. But Hayashiluni was one of the greatest Nevi'im. It says in the Zohar, it says it's astonishing things, right? You know, it says in the Zohar, in the Adra, in the Adra Zuta, it says that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, on the day that he died, which is essentially what the Adra Zuta is, it's all discussion on the day that he died. The day that he died, he said, you know, I went and I saw my chedek in Olam Abba, and I saw that I was going to be judged by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself and not one of the lower Batedin. And he says that, that the judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Ra'avad Ra'avin. It's all Rahamin. All of it is mercy. And, and he said, and I saw that the one that I will be with is Ahya Shiloni. That's the person who Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said in the Zohar that he was going to be, he was going to be with. Astonishing. I'm not expanding on that. I'm just sharing that as, an, as a side point. So Ahiyah Shiloni is a very interesting individual. And he says, because that's what Chazal say. Chazal say that Ahiyah Shiloni, in Baba Batra, right? says Ahiyah Shiloni, he was one of the Yotzei Mitzrayim. The Levi Haya. And he was a Levi. It's a big question why Harambam writes that he was a Levi. Because we also have a Mesorah Shmuel was from the tribe of Levi, right? He was good. Why does he say this? We're not 100% sure. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what some of the opinions are, you know, on, on this. But it says that he was a Levi. Vishamami Moshe. And so obviously, if he was one of the Yotzei Mitzrayim, he heard from Moshe. But it's interesting because it says, Ahiyashoni, Kibel. His Kabbalah didn't really happen until David. And his Bedin. And he was Yotze Mitzrayim. But notice that it says, He was a little boy at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Which still means this is a massive amount of time for a person to be alive. But the funny thing is, is nobody negates that. Nobody has an issue with the fact that he was... Uh, that he was, he was alive for all of that time. He, even the Ravad, who anybody who has the actual Rambam in front of them and not this, I don't know, he probably do have the Ravad over here on the side, no? Uh, no, where is it? I can't believe, wow, how? Ezra, you need to tell Safaria that there's no Ravad on I'm the Ravad. I'm on it, I'm huh? on it. Thank you. Uh, so the Ravad says, uh, let me see if I have the Ravad, maybe, maybe cover he brings the Ravad. Hold on a second. The Rabbad essentially says that it wasn't that he was Mechabel from the Beddin of David. The Rabbad has an issue with that. He says he was, he was a member of the Beddin of David. Yeah? Uh, because the Rabbad Yitachen Me'od, that he felt, how could it be that, uh, that somebody like Ahiyah Shiloni, who was uh, alive from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, is the Mechabel of the Beddin of, of David. Yeah? And one of the issues is because Harabam writes elsewhere that the one who was the Av Bedin was always the greatest of the generation. So the Rabbad has a bit of an issue with that. I want to just see the actual words of the Rabbad. Yeah. Yeah. So Rabbah said, It's not true. 
What's not true? What's not true, according to the Ravad, is that he was the Mekabel from David, right? That he was not the, the head. Ken? He was one of the members of the Beit Din Shalavid, which according to the Ravad is a greater kavod for Ahiyah that he should be not the head of the Beit Din, you know, or one of the top members of the Beit Din, that he was rather a Mechabit. The question is, why does Harambam say all of this, right? Why does he have to tell me, a very simple reason. Because if Ahiyah Shiloni lived that long, what problem do we have? What should he not have lived through? Sorry? What, what, what should he not have survived? Why, why wouldn't he survive that? <laughs> No, the the Yes, he should, thank you. Yeah, he should have died like everybody else did, because it says Lonish Arbahem Ish. There wasn't one man that would that survived that. So some want to say, some want to say that that's the reason that the Rambam writes Vilevihaya. Because there is a there is those who say actually there's a Gemara Baba Batra Kuchafalif says that the Shevet Levi. The Gezira didn't apply to them. Um, and he was a Katan. Yeah, ah. he's a Katan. Ah. He's not so even a that, so that, so that, actually, um, there are, there are Harunim who say that that's really, that's really the issue. And that still it's Kashe de Levi part. Unless one wants to say both elements of it should, could, should come play in. But that is the reason why Moshe says Katan Haya. Why Katan Haya? Because he was under 20 years old at the time. And because he was under 20 years old, he wasn't part of the mitav, the, the gizirav, the, the meraglim, and the, the arbaim shana, and the midbar. And so therefore he survived. And he did hear from Moshe. But according to Rambam, he was the mekabel. Okay, so he continues, and it says, I'm going to go fairly quickly through all of this, right? Notice, everything is betino, 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 it's important. This is serious major and Azra, of course, we know was the one who established the Anshekanis which is why we're going to stop here and explain. We have to say, now we've gotten to a point where Purim happens. It's a thousand years since they came into Eretz Israel, you know, since they left Mitzrayim. There's already been a galut, and there's been a whole bunch of stuff that's occurred during this time. So we're coming back, and Ezra brings everybody back to Eretz Israel after the galut. Hem hanikraim. This bedin of Ezra is a special bedin. The special bedin. Hem hanikraim and Knesset Agdola. They are the ones that we refer to as the great, the men of the great assembly, the Anshekin they're the ones that wrote all of our tefillot, our kiddush, our abdallah, our brachot, our, you know, everything that we know, they wrote all of this stuff. Vehem, and who are they? Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, these are Nevi'im, right? These are, these are not just Chachamim, these are Nevi'im. Daniel, 
Important to recognize over here, this is a Sephardi moment. Everybody pay close attention. Notice that it is Daniel and not Daniel. Yes, the Tzere is under the Yod, not under the Aleph. Everybody who says Daniel is mistaken. The name is Daniel with the Dagesh and the Yod. That is how it's supposed to be pronounced. Hananiah, Mishael, Vazariah, these are all great men. Nehemiah bin Hachaliah, Mordechai, Zerubabel, right? You know all these guys. There were many hachamim that sat with them. This was a massive reunion of Torah, of Yisrael, of Deen, Torah, of the Torah Shabbat Al-Peh. And everyone is sitting together now, essentially at this table. Tashlum mea ve'asrim zekinim. We have 120 elders sitting on this great assembly, right? That's why this, this is a great assembly. It's a massive assembly. Ha'aharon mehem, the last remnant of this great assembly, which carried over into the next generation, is Shimon HaTzadik. And we hear him in Perkei Avot, Shimon HaTzadik, Meshirek right? That's how he's introduced to us in Perkei Avot. He was among the last members of the Anshek Nezegedolah, he is one of the 120 that are sitting at this table. Right, so he is receiving, he is a Mechabel from all of these people. And he brings it over to the next generation. He was a Kohen Gadol after Ezra Sofer. Good? Any major questions here? It's fairly straightforward. Daniel Levy. Um, if, if the Betino were part of giving it over, why doesn't it say that they actually received it? They did. In other words, the, the fact that it says they were Mechabel, every Betino that, that was Mechabel from one was the Betino that gave it over to the next. Oh, no, because it doesn't say that they received it. It says they only gave it over. It says Kiblu, Kiblu, Betino, Kiblu, Betino. They received, 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 received. Obviously, if they're receiving, they're giving it over. They had someone give it over, right? Oh. Understand? Yeah. So what did the Bedin, how did they get it? From Yoel Bedino. Yoshua. Yeah. Um, why did Ezra have to change from 70 to 120? Wasn't 70 enough? 70, it's an excellent question. I like that question very much. 70 is yes, of course enough, if I'm adjudicating law. But he was doing something much more over here, Ezra. What was Ezra doing? This is very important. I really, I actually, wonderful question, Yoshua. I appreciate you asking that. Yeah. It's important to understand where we are in history over here. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why Harambam pauses to tell you about, because he didn't have to, you know, he could, he could just say, they're called the Ashek and they and continue. He, he, he opens this up for you. He tells you who these people were and what they were about. He could simply just tell you, look, this is what, this is, this is how the Minnesota happened. And you can do the research on your own, which he essentially does with everybody else. You could find out about everybody else by looking them up. He doesn't tell you about the life and history of Eliyahu and Elisha and all of these people. So the reason for that is very important. Ezra Sofer, is coming on the tails of the first major galut that Israel experiences. Yeah? He is the one who recognizes that the Beit HaMikdash could actually be destroyed. We could actually be thrown out of our land. And you, you must understand that that was unfathomable, unfathomable, before it actually happened. 
Nobody believed that such a situation would actually occur. It's hard for us to understand that. But the way that I unfortunately express that to people today, to kind of frame it for them, which is unfortunate, but it happens to be the time of year. And by the way, you know, Chodesh Tov, I think it's still Chodesh Tov. Yeah, it's still Chodesh Tov. Um, the same way that is as difficult, I, and again, I'm not talking about what you're supposed to imagine and how strongly you can imagine it, but as difficult as it is for you to practically accept or recognize a reality that the Beit HaMikdash would be built on the spot that that mosque is on now, is as crazy as it was for people to imagine the Beit HaMikdash could be destroyed when it was there originally. You follow what I'm saying? This was, uh, was unfathomable. So it happens, and they get thrown off of their land. And the Harash and the Masger, right? I mean, the Bukhanetzari takes the elite of the people first, 11 years earlier, completely decimates the, the moral and intellectual infrastructure of the people. I mean, this is a massive, massive destruction. So they realize that Am Yisrael is vulnerable and that this could happen again. And that if it happens again, what we must do is create a portable system that they can take with them wherever they go. So what Ezra does over here is similar, although very different, <coughs> excuse me, similar to what Rabbi, uh, what Rabbi Udanasi does later on. What he does over here is he says, what I want to do is I want to bring the great minds of Israel together, not just as a body of adjudication and establishment of law. I want them to create, essentially, I mean, I'll explain what I mean. I don't say this for shock value, and I, you understand what I mean? Yeah, I'll explain what I mean. I want to create Judaism, is essentially what, what, what Ezra does. And what I mean by that is it's very important for us to understand when we say Judaism, we don't realize the developments of it. Remember that, what, let's take for example, okay, Yom Kippur, right? What do you and I know of Yom Kippur? What you and I know of Yom Kippur is you spend all day in shul, you have a liturgy that's in your machzor, you follow what is it's written, there are, there are literally, I mean, for the Sfaradim, there are, there are poems that were written in Spain in, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the you know, 11th, 10th, 11th century. And that becomes Yom Kippur for us, right? That, that's Yom Kippur. We don't eat. But if you were to go back in time to the time of the Beit HaMikdash, Yom Kippur would be unrecognizable to you outside of the fact that you can't get a sandwich anywhere. It would be unrecognizable to you. There would be no machzor, there would be no standard liturgy out of core elements that perhaps people had. Maybe you bought a ticket to see, you know, the Kohen Gadol doing the work in the Beit HaMikdash. He was the only man doing anything anyway on the day. Nobody else was allowed to do anything on that day. And if you weren't doing that, maybe you were getting married because the girls were in the fields and they were dancing, you know, as the Gemara says, Ntani, they, that was, it was Yom Kippur and Tubeav. And that's one of the things that occurred on Yom Kippur and Tubeav is that there was a, people tried to get married. You were fasting, but otherwise the work was being done by the Kohen Gadol and the Beit HaMikdash. So where did our Yom Kippur come from? They created this scaffolding of Yom Kippur for all of us when we don't have a Kohen Gadol that's doing the Avodah and the Beit HaMikdash. So we, just, we read about the Avodah. What about Shabbat? What was Shabbat? Practically everything that we have that is what we know as being Judaism and Jewish 
didn't exist before the Adshekhanistic Gdola in the way that we know it. There was no Kiddush. There was, you said Shabbat Hayom, you know. In whatever way you felt appropriate to say it. That was the mitzvah of the Torah, Zuchreu Bidvarim. You have to You have to mention that it's Shabbat, both when it comes in and when it's out. Hazal added, you have to Zuchreu Alayayin. You say it on wine. Not only say it on wine, this is what you say. There was no this is what you say. There were templates. At best, you follow what I'm saying here. And we say that this is the beginning of the Rabbanan, Mitzvot Rabbanan? No, no, no. It is not the beginning of the Mitzvot Rabbanan. Remember, there's a difference between the Mitzvot. That's that's the question. That's what Yoshua is pointing out. For Mitzvot Rabbanan, a Sanhedrin is enough. This is more than that. They are creating an entire structure of, of life, of living, that is there to support Israel wherever we go. Which includes, you know, the beginnings of, you know, what we know as Mishnah. These are the, you know, very early elements of it. But essentially the, the avodah that we know that is essentially what we call Yahadut today. No word, no such word like that is in the Torah. And notice that it's only for the tribe of Judah which was all that was left by this time, right? I mean, why, why, isn't it called, why isn't it called Israelism? How come it's called Judaism? I mean, that's what it should be called. It should be called Israelism. We're Israel, we're the nation of Israel, we're Am Israel. Why should our practice not be Israel? Ut. As instead of Yehudadut, right? That's what it shouldn't. It should be Israelut, not Yehudut. But it isn't, because all that's left are these, these Judas. And everybody was with them. So they create this Judah system for Galut. And that's why they need this elite group of people that are coming together to be able to structure this in this way. Do you follow that, Yoshua? Yeah, I follow. I'm not like. You don't sound very enthusiastic about it. I'm not entirely convinced. Because what what do you I'm, mean? Like, uh, maybe, maybe I'm, many, I'm, I'm getting very concerned about the numbers exactly, like why 120? Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe since he was Kibel as well, as Ra'as was Kibel, right? So I'm guessing he was doing everything in accordance to what he received, like what God said. Like he never, he never like made up anything on his own. Like this, this number of 120, I'm saying must have come from somewhere. Like... He was Kibel, right? He couldn't change anything. Yeah, I mean, but that could be, that doesn't necessarily be that the number 120 was something that he got from Sinai. That could be that that's, that's the number that ended up being the people and the, the, the diversity and the thinking that he felt was necessary to be able to come together and put together, but he puts them together. I mean, you have Nevi'im here, you know, this is not just anybody. These are massive people. Look at who's there. I mean, this is like a dream team. With so many different perspectives and nuance. So they're setting up this, this thing that, if you think about it, it's really astonishing because they essentially created a system that protected and kept Am Israel in a 2000 year galut. It's astonishing. Yeah, it's genius. It's, it's unbelievable. So, yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. At least that's my suggestion to you as to what it is. But that's definitely what it is. Um, Ken, Beti no shel Ezra. Him, I'm not. Oh, sorry, Ohad. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. 
I have a question, but just to clarify on that point, Rebbe is saying is that um, it's not the 120 is not for the judicial power, but more for the creative and brain power. That yes, they, that they're giving. correct. Not only that, it's not just creative and brain power. It is, it is a the establishment of what we call yadut, right? Or you know, the, and the, essentially the nature of, of of the of the entire thing. It's it's a it's also a profound endorsement because it's not just the beddin. It is a this this unique body that was like once in history gathered together, and so therefore it creates this very profound endorsement and base for what it is that they created. You follow? So yes, yes, it is the brain power and creativity, but it's more than that. It's it's the it's the weight of it that that endorses and empowers it of this right. group, which is unmatched. And also by the the why is that necessary to teach us? And going back to the Velevihaya, and he was a Katan, what Rebbe is saying is good, but why is that, uh, that also necessary? To I don't know that? why Levihaya is a reason. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I think that the Katan Haya is the point that makes that he, that he didn't die. I, I, I do not. I have, I have yet to see uh, an explanation as to what Levihaya was, was coming to us. I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, can I ask a question? Who's I? Yes, David, yes. Oh. Hi. Yeah. Sorry. Just um. We. I know. I know that like the Anshikles Agudala fixed the tefillot. Uh. But where do we know that they fixed like kiddush and wine? Same Gemara that says that they fixed. Yeah. yeah. It's all there. Yeah. It's all there. It says kiddushim havdalot brachot. All of that. As in, was it the, the was it the nusach or the actual the the, the, actual the major form? template? There are elements of nusach that are that are different. As you see, there's words here and words there that are different among the various kehilot. But the the core yeah. template. Yeah, is there. And the core template is what Harambam also, Harambam wrote it all down. So we have, he, like he wrote a Sidur. So we have. No, and I, 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 I agree on the Nusach. I'm just asking, you, you mentioned that it was on wine and things like that. It's a... The fact that you have to say Kiddush on wine? Yeah. That's a Gizirat Hachamim. That's a Mitzvah Rabbanan. I'm not saying that that was a, the Kiddush, the liturgy of the Kiddush was established by that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Antignos Yishsocho, we have five minutes. And so this will be the last halacha for now. Antignos Yishsocho, we're going to run through this very quickly. It goes on. These are all the time of the early Hachmea Tanaim, and the Zugot. Antignos Yishsocho, Bedino, Kibidu, Moshimona, Tzadiko, Bedino, Yosef, Ben Yarizer, Yishsredav, Yosef, Ben Yarhanan, Yishsredav, Bedinam, Kibidu, Antignos, Bedino. Again, everybody ends with Bedino. And he makes a point of that, right? Because Shmayan Abtalion were the leaders, the Nasi and the Abedin. I didn't mention this over here because Arambam really doesn't go into the details of it over here. So it's not, he obviously doesn't see that it's corp, uh, pertinent. But something happens here, okay? Something happens here that's very, very important. And that is that there are, there are two elements of leadership. So there's the Nasi and the Abedin. And the Mishnah explains this, right? What, what ultimately that there was, a, there was this shared leadership between them. And that in each generation, you had this pair that led. And so it goes through. The interesting thing is in the generation of Shema and Abedin, they were both Geret Tzedek. Both of them. And they were the and they were the rebbe's of Hillel 
And so Hillel says that he used, he used to say things. This is a very, I mean, I mentioned this before, but it's an interesting Mishnah because Hillel says that he used to speak with the accent of his rebbe's of Shmayan Avtelion, and they had funny accents because they weren't from, they were foreign because they were Geret Tzedek. So he says that they would say In Tzedek instead of Hin with a He. And so he would say that. He would say In because that's how he heard from his rebbe. Yeah. So I do that because I say whatever I pronounce, I pronounce because that's how I heard Hacham Avadiyah say it. Even though he says it differently and everybody else says it. So like Hacham Avadiyah, you know, they talk about Sirtut. Sirtut is, you know, the, the lines that have to be made in the mezuzah and the tefillin, or the tefillin, but the mezuzot, yeah, that you have to write on and we're in the Sefer Torah that you have to have these lines carved into the clav. Hacham Avadiyah is called Shirtut, not Sirtut. So that's how I say it. Because that's how he said it. Or he says, uh, instead of Vlad, you know, like a child that's born, he used to say valid, not Vlad. So that's part of it. That's part of Mesorat. That's how you heard it from your Rav. That's the way you should say it. Or the, you know, they call it, talk about the Nisyuve de Chelba. Most people call it Nisyuve. He said Nisyuvi de Chelba. So there's all things that you learn from your Rav. That's part of the Mesorat, the Lashon, the Torah Shabbat Pev, how it is that they pronounce it. In any case, Hillel v'shamayu betinam kibdu mishmayav avtiyom betinam. Here a major shift happens. And we do not have time tonight to go into the depths of what it is that the shift happens. This is what we will do next time. When is next time, by the way, Sina? Two weeks time. Okay, so that's terrible. It's not terrible. All right, so what something happens over here. Watch. Hilel Vishamayu Bedinam. Betinam. Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, which is the time Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai is the one in his generation of Bet Amikdash was destroyed. Right? So so shifts are happening here. And then all of a sudden it goes, it goes off in discussing the students of Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai. I just want to read it with you now and then we'll go into more detail of it next time. He had five students. They were great hachamim that received from him. And here they are. Rabbi Yerayz Ragadol, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yosef Kohen, Rabbi Shimon ben Ateel, Rabbi Azab ben Arach. Rabbi Akiva ben Yosef, Kibel mer Rabbi Yerayz Ragadol. What's missing? Rabbi Yosef Aviv Ger Tzedekaya. Rabbi Shimon, Yishmael, Rabbi Meir ben Ger Tzedek, Kibel mer Rabbi Akiva. Vegam Kibel Rabbi Meir, Rahabarab mer Rabbi Yishmael. What is going on? What's missing? And what's changed? Kibelu. No Bedin, exactly. Where's the Bedin? Something happened. Well, the destruction of Beit Hamikdash happened. Where is the Bedin? We know that there was a Bedin. There was a Galut of the Sanhedrin, but they're not mentioned. So we're going to have to understand that next time. All of a sudden, the Bedin disappears for a while. What happened during this time? Why am I telling about the five students? What happens? After Hillel and Shammai, which the Gemara says, after Hillel and Shammai, Nitraba Machloket. Machloket started going out, it started blowing up. You have people, look, look all of a sudden, they're, be, they're receiving, look at the receiving over here. Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Meir, Ben Gerat, Sede Kiblu, Merbi Akiba, Begam Kibel, Merbi Meir, Haverab, Merbi Ishmael. It's getting a less neat all of a sudden. Yeah? Okay? 
So we're going to have to delve into that next time to understand where did the Bedin go and how is there is there splitting of things that are going on. And we know that Machloket occurs after Hillel and Shammai. Why? What's going on? Why, is thing, why are things developing, changing over here? To be continued. Okay? I hope to see everybody next week. Any other announcements that are important? Okay. Shenizke benehamat Zion and Yiratzon that Hakadosh Baruch Hu sheyafoch the yamim these difficult days for us the miyagon the simcha and from erev to Yom Tov and we should see the rebuilding of the Beit Hamikdash b'merabi amin l'amin. Just a quick check. Everybody, Rav, no time for any questions. Okay, if there's anything pressing. I left it on a thing that I no, said. Oh, no, 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 there's no, there's no raised hands. Yeah. Well, Ohad, you have a raised hand. I don't uh, know if that's a residual raised hand or that's a new raised hand. No, that's old. Okay, it's residual. Okay. okay. Thank cool. you very much. Good night. No. Thank you. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bet Midrash. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to rate and review. Have a wonderful day.